All right, so we are here with some special guests for you today. We're going to start with the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. J.M. Perkins. How are you, J.M.? Doing very well. Really happy to be doing this. Good. And we are playing in your salt in the wound setting that you've been writing vigorously about all throughout the interwebs. And so we're all here. We're excited. We're going to go around the Google chat, hang out here, and, and introduce ourselves. And so we'll start with Jeremy first. Introduce yourself. Tell us where you're from, how people can get in contact with you if you'd like, and what character you will be playing today. Yeah, my name is Jeremy. I uh, I live in Zeeland, Michigan. You can find me on Google+, on Facebook, or on Twitter, and the Twitter handle is at Watchtower North. I will be playing a chaotic good paladin by the name of Torin Nemanis. And next we have Mr. Lou Anders. Pleasure to be here. And so where can people get in touch with you, and what character are you playing for us today? Well... They can get in touch with me uh, all over the web. I am a children's book author, highly, highly spreadable. I'm on Facebook at Lou Anders, Twitter at Lou Anders. There's LouAnders.com. There's ThronesAndBones.com, the book page for the series. There's a Facebook page for Thrones and Bones. I am highly, highly Googleable, And I am playing Sheston Diliath Orlemorn, Orlemorn being the given name, a green dragonborn alchemist herb warden as designed with heavy input. Oh, heck, let's just admit he designed it for me. Rich, Rich Howard. Awesome. So I'm excited because I'm playing a Rich Howard class as well. But first, we're going to get to Phil. Philip Main Prize. How are you, buddy? I am doing well. I am very, very excited to be here. And I think I'm the opposite of Lou. I am probably very hard to find on the internet. <laughs> um, you could find me on Facebook by looking for just Phil Main Prize, but I very rarely add people because I'd never get on it. Um, I'm pretty active on Twitter at the handle at DM underscore Main Prize, just like it sounds Main Street and Grand Prize. <laughs> I am playing as a forest gnome bard who is a neutral good, and his name is Fingolfin. Excellent, excellent. And I'm Dungeon Master Chris from the Dungeon Master's Block Podcast. You can find us on Twitter. Uh, you can email us. And my personal Twitter is DM underscore Chris one. So you can find me there. And I am playing Rugum Duskbloom, a Lightfoot Halfling reanimator, once again, like Lou, uh, put together with help from Rich Howard as well, because it's a class that I saw that he played or that he had made and really, really wanted to play it. So, um, of course, I've been writing about it for a while. I'll give the elevator pitch for the listeners at home. Uh, Salt and Wounds is a city that is built around a bound Tarrasque that people have been slaughtering and serving up for food for the last 200 years. Uh, it's a very odd city that's very isolated, but because it has this amazing source of regenerating meat, it can support a huge population. Of course, when you have a city that's so kind of alien to the way most cities work, it's a very weird place. It's an evil place. And it's very interesting to me that all the characters, except for one, decide to play good, which is okay. It happens. And actually, I think that might actually contribute to the fact that all of you, um, as you've gone about your daily lives in Salt and Wounds, all of you have kind of started to experience a horrible mutation. Um, and so let me tell you what these mutations are. So, um, for Rugum, there's something wrong in your brain. And every once in a while, <laughs> makes sense. you get very, very angry. And it makes it very hard to uh, ply your trade and to be an alchemist when you are filled with murderous rage. So, what that means mechanically for you is you can fly into a rage as the barbarian ability uh, of first level at will. You also have minus two to wisdom, 
and you will automatically go into a rage if you're ever one-third your hit points. And I should I should um, point out that for all of you guys' mutations, right now they have a benefit and a disadvantage. You've heard, though, when you talk to some alchemists, or uh, based on your own knowledge, if you are an alchemist, that they're getting worse. And if you don't do something, they might have increasingly ill effects on your life. So Torum, actually, it's very interesting. Your mutation is that you are gaining scales. Now, as a dragonborn, you already have scales, but basically the scales you have are getting replaced and pushed around by these new scales, these Tarrasque-like scales, and it's extremely uncomfortable for you. The good news is, of course, that these scales are even harder than your natural scales, so you're gaining plus two to your armor class. The bad news is that they are getting in the way of your natural movement, so you're losing minus two to dexterity. So you're only netting one to armor class, and then of course you have a bunch of other things that are affected by uh, your lower dexterity. So since I am in heavy armor, then the dexterity penalty doesn't apply to that. Oh, good. But well, it's a good it's... thing that you're wearing heavy armor. Yes. It does leave me with a dexterity <laughs> score nice. of six. Yeah, it's it's really good in the way. <laughs> Let's hope there's no dex checks for you, like jumping over a pit or something. That would be. I know who my bardic inspiration's going to. <laughs> you can make the jump, my friend. Uh, Fingolfin. Um, again, I, maybe it was something you eat, ate. Sometimes they don't cook the meat good enough, and you've heard that can affect, or or maybe some of the water you drank was tainted. But um, you've been noticing that your appearance has been changing, um, and you are just not the good-looking gnome you used to be. There's something kind of Saurian about your appearance now. So it doesn't affect your spell casting, but in general, you have uh, minus two to charisma. The good news, though, is that you've become very, very adept at intimidation based on your appearance. So you get plus five to intimidate. So you're, you've gotten very much better at intimidate and not so good at the other social skills. And then finally, Orlamorn, there has been something about every day. You just feel this gnawing hunger. You're just hungry all the time. You, you're eating like a halfling that hasn't eaten in a month, just every day. The good news is, though... So I'm, I'm not eating halflings. I... You thought about it. <laughs> As I thought. You thought about it. But even in Assault and Wounds, that is frowned upon, legally speaking. But you, you're just hungry all the time. The good news is, of course, that all this eating, you've actually bulked up and you've gained plus two to your constitution. The bad news is, of course, that this hunger is very distracting. And it's actually making it hard for you to concentrate, and you've lost two to your intelligence. Again, don't worry about it affecting your um, your spells or what have you, because um, I don't want you to do the calculation. But you're not you feel not as intelligent as you once were. Mutations are not unknown in salt wounds. Um, they're not exactly common, but they do happen, and it's kind of just something that everyone has their theories and their superstitions, and maybe some good science about how to avoid them. But sometimes they just happen, and they have happened to all of you. The what? Two of you who are alchemists, um, you know that alchemists can heal mutations, but it takes alchemists much, much more skilled than you are. And it's a very, tends to be a very expensive procedure. So anyway, that's the mutation stuff that's going on with each of you. So for each of you, you've described your characters. Now, it's an ordinary day in Salt Moons. Let me know what you are up to. Uh, Rugum is basically just working on creating mixtures for the day um, that he's going to be walking around with. If we're if it's early in the morning, that's what he would be doing uh, at the moment. Morning, brand new day. So, yep, making new mixtures in case he needs them for whatever reason. 
because he knows that salt in the wounds is kind of shady at times. So, all right, um, Torin. Uh, Torin spends his days more or less always in the poorer parts of town, trying to help out with the destitute people, using his ability to heal and purify food and drink and that sort of thing. All right, uh, Fingolfin. Fingolfin would be uh, probably going from you know whatever tavern or inn he stayed the night in to. Uh, the next available one. He's a, a storyteller and an entertainer, and so he kind of, that's how he plies his, his trade and feeds himself. He kind of has an ultimate goal of getting uh, hooked up with the 8th house, which was founded by a bard, and kind of uh, working his way in the ranks of that just to increase his own fame and storytelling abilities and to grow the audience that can hear his stories. Just as a quick aside, what Fingolfin is referring to is 8th House. The people that run Salt Moons are the 13 Meridian Houses. They each control an area of the Tarrasque for um, utilization, uh, built around one of the 13 immovable harpoons that have been stuck into it. So Fingolfin would like to work with 8th House, which is the one that was founded by a bard, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. And then finally, Orlemorn, what, what are you up to today? I am probably in the vicinity of Sage's Row shopping for alchemical mixtures and ingredients all right while you're each going about your day a flesh golem with two non-matching eyes walks up to you kneels in front of you and holds out its hand and in its hand is a small note i will take my note i would take the note as well i'll take the note i'm gonna grab the note are are flesh golems common to do this sort of thing or is it like this is really strange uh, they're generally not used as messengers, no. Um, okay. they, you have seen them around. They, they are much more common in Salt and Moons than they are in other sure. places of the world, but they're still not common. And generally they okay. represent a lot of uh, wealth or magical skill. Okay. Yeah, so each of your notes is addressed to you individually. Um, so it starts off with your name. And it says, I can cure what ails you. There's something I need in return. Please meet me at my shop at noon. Signed, Pakal Pilgrim. Um, and then it has an address in Sage's Row, which you know just from general knowledge is kind of where a lot of the alchemists and wizards ply their trades. Yeah, so I, yeah, Rugum would finish up what he was doing, make sure that he's got all of his, his uh, mixtures made, and he would head out the door to meet Bacall. About what time of day is this? Uh, this is first thing. So this is, uh, this okay. was eight in the morning. Okay. All right. Then, uh, yeah, after seeing to it that some of the local people are fed and happy-ish, uh, we'll head to Sage's Row. Fingolfin's going to head straight there. He knows that he, he has a, a regular show and, and lodging at, at a tavern in town, so he's not concerned about uh, where he'll be performing that night, so he's just going to head straight there. Well, I'm already there. How familiar am I with the location? Um, you're very familiar, actually, and if you if you have a shop in Sage's Row, I can give you a little bit more um, information about Bacall. Bacall is not the most famous alchemist in um, in Salt and Wounds, but he does have a rep for being the people who really know this stuff think he might be the best alchemist in Salt and Wounds. Um, he's been doing this a very long time. He was probably within the first ten years when they started deriving alchemy out of the Tarrasque. He was there, and he's never gotten famous. But uh, yeah, he is he is known among alchemists as someone who is very good at what he does. Do I have any prior relationship with him? Um, you've seen him around. Okay. He's uh, he walks in different circles than you do. 
Well, I'm intrigued. And I would just, I'm from Sage's row as well. So yeah, so you would, would know, know as well. All of that information. Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, so. mm -hmm. cool. Yeah, you guys with Alchemist, um, yeah. Yeah, so that would make me even more excited to head over there if he's known somewhat for being able to do this type of thing. So, All right, so um, you guys all head over there without instant incident. You arrive, um, if you arrive just before noon, you'll find that the door is barred. If you find right at noon, you will find that the door has been um, unbarred, and as you each arrive, uh, the door opens for you. So you come in, and what you see is a very well-pointed alchemical shop, and behind the counter is Bacall Philgreen, who is a fairly handsome half-elf with some pretty terrible acid scars on his face. There are four seats in front of him, um, and he gestures for each of you to have a seat. I will do so. I would walk over and yeah, walk over and have a seat. I'll have a seat as well. I'm I'm definitely like, I feel out of place because I see two alchemists and like a paladin, and I'm just like, what is going on here? I should point out that you don't. There isn't something you can tell about a paladin just by the way they look. You might think he's like a guy with a stick up his butt, though maybe not a chaotic <laughs> one. Well, I thought I thought he had armor on, so I was like, this guy is. But you see an armored figure. Got something going on. Yeah. Okay, that's actually fair. That's and. Fair. While we're here, why don't each of you describe your characters physically? Like, what would what would each of you see about the other? Okay. Um, well, Torin is pretty tall. He's about 6'5", almost 300 pounds. He's got uh, blue scales, which are sadly being overtaken by Tarisk scales, apparently. And uh, he's got these, like, real light azure blue eyes. And he's wearing big heavy armor chainmail and he's got a long sword and uh, strapped to his side and a shield that he's carrying and he walks with a quarter staff. Yeah, so I basically see you as molting in a very unattractive way. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, uh, Rugum? Uh, Rugum is sitting in a chair, feet not quite touching the ground at this point. Uh, he is wearing grayish leather, light leather armor or leather armor and he has slick-backed brown hair with a scar across his right cheek and he's got a little satchel on his side that looks like it has uh, some little formulas in a, in some okay. vials as well. Uh, Fingolfin? Uh, Fingolfin is uh, very short. His feet definitely don't touch the ground when he's sitting in the chair. Uh, about three feet, there goes my dice, four inches tall. Um, he's thin, he is bald, and he wears like a, a yellow cap that he has cut ear holes in for his kind of floppy gnome ears. And he's got a, a like long kind of goatee that he has braided, and he's wearing just like leather uh, armor, but that looks kind of nicer like uh, like clothes that he would wear out. Okay. And then finally, Orlemorn. What would everyone see about you? Orlemorn is a green dragonborn in clashing red leather armor. He's carrying both an alchemical kit and what look like cooking supplies and some instruments that unfortunately may double as both. And if it is possible to convey a sense of superiority and snobbery, he probably seems more interested in those he can tell are alchemists in the room and completely oblivious to the others. Okay. Well, thank you so much for describing your characters. So, Bacall does a slight nod to each of you. Gentlemen, thank you so much for coming. If you don't know why you're here, all of you are suffering from the touch of the city. And in my art, I can heal for that. However, I am not a charity, and there's something I need which the four of you working together should be able to provide. 
I've done my homework on each of you, and I don't believe that this task that I have for you would violate any of your morals. But, of course, I'm a man who likes to keep my privacy. So, I would need your soft commitment before I tell you more. You do a thing for me, I heal all your, your mutations, we call it a day. As long as a thing is not morally objectionable and isn't going to hurt anybody that is not deserving of it, then yeah, I'd, I'd love to get rid of these awful scales. Well, I should say that people might get hurt, but I leave that up to you. The, the task will be yours, so you'll have to figure out how to prosecute it. I don't believe that anyone must get hurt. But again, you'll have to figure it out for yourselves. Well, whatever's in my head, I would like to get it out as soon as possible. So I will do, I will do whatever you need. I will do what I can. You see... I used to be very handsome, but now I am hideously scarred, and the people I perform for and tell stories to are more afraid of me than they are enthralled by my tales. So I am willing uh, to take part in this adventure. Will there be food? Yes, as a matter of fact. Um, and he, from behind the, the desk, he pulls out a big heaping plate of various cuts of terrasque meat. Really good cuts, really well prepared. Almost like uh, sashimi, but very well cooked. I was going to ask how well they were cooked. Very well cooked. <laughs> Feel free to sit, eat. I, I've already started eating. Yeah. <laughs> he pulls out uh, a bottle of wine. Well, let me tell you. Several months ago, I unfortunately suffered a robbery. It does not happen very often, but it does happen, even to someone like me. Of course, my associates, and he nods to a couple of flesh golems that are standing by the door, were able to track down the thief and deal with him. The only unfortunate is that this happened over the bridge to the Red River, and the thing the thief had stolen to me fell into the waters. And by the time that my flesh golems returned and I figured out what had happened, the item in question was gone. Um, I had worried forever. However, I have recently learned that it is at the heart of the fungal thief in the Heart's Blood Marsh. And I need you to go retrieve it. I, via some divinatory magic I paid for, I have an approximate location. When you get close, I have a item here that will help you locate it. And you'll note when you see it. It's a small beaker flask, otherwise unremarkable, but it does bear my initials. If you're not familiar, of course, the Heart's Blood Marsh can be exceedingly dangerous, um, which is why I selected you to perform this task, because I have other tools that I might be able to use. But I need a little bit more creativity and ingenuity and your particular mix of skills. I assume you would have questions. So what is, uh, what's so important about this item that you lost? What does it, what well, does it do exactly? First and foremost, it's my property. And I don't lose my property. Second of all, it might be a little bit above your training to really understand the functionality of this device. Perhaps in a year or so after you've studied more. I might be able to have a conversation with about its function. I, I kind of snort at that. <laughs> In between mouthfuls. <laughs> Maybe a little food flying <laughs> out at the same time. <laughs> so as he's going through this, um, before I eat any of it, I'm going to use Purify Food and Drink on it. Okay. It changes in no way. Can never be too sure. Yeah. Well, especially with what's happened to you, definitely. <laughs> especially eating yeah. from a Tarrasque. <laughs> Fingolfin's going to be uh, eating and in between chewing. He's going to ask, So if we find this and bring it back, could I turn this into a tale that I could add to my uh, repertoire of stories? Hmm. 
Normally, my first instinct would be to say no. But if you let me see the tail, you'll spin before you start to spin it. And let me perhaps tweak a detail here and there, then most certainly. Oh, very good. You are quite the gracious host. Well, I very much value politeness. You were all kind enough to come here today. I appreciate that courtesy. And like I said, you're welcome to ask me any more questions. Otherwise, I can give you a little bit more instructions about exactly how I think this will go down. Can you tell me a little bit more about who exactly stole this? Oh, his his name's not important. And, and he's certainly not important now because he's dead. I believe I saw embroidered on the inside of his clothing the name Jordy. And does that name mean anything to you? Well, he was a thief that stole something from me. Does he have any associates that we may want to look out for? Oh, I don't believe so. You know how thieves are. They sneak in, often working alone. And if he did have associates, I'm sure they're cowards. Or they probably would have tried something by now. That is very true. It's just good to uh, to have a heads up if he was perhaps hired by, I don't know, a rival alchemist or something to uh, retrieve this item of yours if... It... It would just be good to know if maybe other people will also be looking for this thing as we're going to find it for you. Oh, well, you know, a man in my position, unfortunately, invites envy and jealousy at times. Um, unfortunately, that is just simply the cost of doing business. I'm sure that whatever challenges you face, um, you are well equipped to handle them. And I should point out, the marsh itself is danger enough for anyone to put their mind to. So... Perhaps you will face other enemies, but I would be more of mind of the marsh. With that in mind, what I would recommend doing is first, before you embark, going to the slave market. I've heard there's a, a gripply named Exekel who works as a guide. Um, he's currently up on the auction block, and I would highly recommend putting in a bid to purchase him. Fingolfin turns to look at the paladin to see if he would be down with purchasing slaves. The paladin <laughs> looks very stoically neutral. Mm. Okay. And Gulfin just shrugs and is like, okay. How uh, much does uh, does a slave like that run? Oh, goodness me. Yeah, so I believe I believe a slave like that could be purchased for something approximately 2,000 gold. It should be within your means. This could be a good opportunity to free this, this slave after he is... Oh, I don't... I don't help care us. what you do. My interest in my property. Well, we'll we'll help you get your property back as best we can. Sounds lovely. Now, if there's no further business, um, I bid you good day, and I'll get back to minding my business. I stand up, but I dump the rest of the food into my satchel. <laughs> and All then right. uh, Rugum hands him the rest of my plate that I didn't eat as well. To hand, to put that that goes in as well. <laughs> uh, as you're as you're leaving, he hands you a map, which has it's kind of basic map showing the city and showing the Red River running out, out of it and kind of into the, uh, the Heartsblood Marsh. And there, it's kind of light on the details. Um, and you see in like his little notation that this is an old map, so things may well have changed. But he has a spot marked, and he labeled that, um, where his informant had seen the item in question as part of a hoard. Let's go to the slave market. The other thing that Bacall does um, before you leave is he says... And because I want you to succeed, um, I'd like to offer each of you some supplies. You may all choose either three potions level two or below, uh, and or, if you prefer, 
I have a variety of custom gear that you can choose instead. And out of character, what he means by that is you can just make something up because he's a really good alchemist. So if there's something you've envisioned, some device or some um, boon, um, we'll just roll that it works. So what kind of supplies do you guys want to grab? Ah, uh, yeah, two plates of food. It, um... <laughs> <laughs> You're on like a three rings of sustenance a day diet. So you grab all the food. Good. Uh, are there any, any alchemical or magical supplies you want to grab? I don't think Fingolfin would have a clue. Man, I can make a lot of You know, I uh, yeah, I can make a lot of potions too, but I've actually I've plotted out what I'm carrying with me on this, so I wouldn't mind taking some that I can actually make but don't have time don't have space for. Yeah. Like I'll, uh, oh, you want actually, like a want small thrown satchel that doesn't take. Yeah. Uh well I'm just gonna put it out there. If it's being offered, he doesn't seem like the guy, kind of guy who'd give stuff away for free. So if it's being offered, you might well end up... Well, I'll take some of the potions. What potions are on offer? Well, anything level 2 or below. Of course, there's classic healing potions. There are potions that do the effect of shield, but they're making you very, very twitchy. There are like a flask that will allow you to do um, flame strike or something of that nature. There, You had asked about divinatory ma magic. He actually has a potion that allows you to mimic that class feature, where you just get very, very intelligent. I'll take that since I'm suffering from low intelligence, from enhampered in, in intelligence. So what this will be um, is it will be a uh, one-time bonus plus five on an investigate roll you're making, or an insight roll you're making. Actually, it's it's one for each. So one for insight, one for in, um, investigate. All right, so that takes care of Orlamorn. Fingolfin, oh, is there anything that you wanted? I'll grab any health potions. It never hurts to have those around in a city like Salt and Wounds. Okay, so you get three uh, level two health uh, cure light wounds or cure wounds potions. I would look for some alchemist's fire if he has any. Oh, oh, definitely. And because okay. that's kind of a, a more basic item, he can give you six yeah. alchemist's fire, no problem. Sweet. All right, that's what I would look for because I didn't have time to make a whole bunch of those, so I would I would look for those. And he's also going to uh, show you, he actually has a little sling for them that's going to give you oh, a plus sweet. one hit to hit when you're throwing them. Excellent. It's actually very cleverly designed. And his flasks are just these like perfect little, they look almost like football shaped, so they're really good at settling exactly where you want them to go. Perfect. Torin, any ideas? Well, if we have, if he has anything that will help us like blend in in the, uh, the marsh, something that would give us like uh, chameleon type aspects, keep us from being seen by any of the native uh, flora and fauna. Yes, he actually has two things. Um, one is a fog cloud in a bottle that when you open it will create a fog cloud in a 20 foot cube, so uh, potentially obscuring you. The thing of course is that it doesn't affect armor or clothing, so you have to be naked. <laughs> That's going to be fun. And I can get three between the two options? Um, you see him start to narrow his eyes, but he'll give you another one. Okay. If those two are what you want. Yeah, that'll work. I'll take uh, one of each then. All right, so you head to the slave market, which is part of the throat. It's the area right outside and kind of where they, the fortress where they keep the Tarasque bound. Um, and there's just hundreds of merchants hawking their words. It's really loud because in the background you can hear the Tarasque screaming but everyone's really good at shouting to be heard. 
so you all know the city well enough to go to the slave market. It's pretty known landmark. And you see a hawker up on this elevated platform going, do I hear 1,000? Do I hear 2,000? Um, doing the whole auctioneer chant. Behind him is a cage with a bunch of different creatures of various sizes and descriptions, including what is very obviously a gripply, which in case you don't know is a type of frog man. And that's the one we're looking for, right? That's what we were uh, You're looking for a gripply named Exocel. So you have an auctioneer, you have some guards, you have some people bidding, um, and you have this cage with a bunch of slaves, um, including this gripply. I would also point out that you do not have to just rely on Bacall for your information. You have investigate and persuasion skills that might well be able to get you information out of it. Also, if you say something is true about the city, I'll probably go along with it. So if you have a contact or you know something about the city, about where you might be able to get more information, I'm welcome to have you play that out. So I think what we could do now is just pool our money together to pay for this. I think that would only be fair if you are all cool with that. Uh, the auctioneer finishes up, um, and then um, comes. you see a, a young halfling woman being let off, um, and then he comes down to kind of chat with the guards. I think we should move up towards the front so that they know that we are very, very interested in purchasing. What do we know about Ripley's? Are they... Do they run the gamut of, you know, normal people good to evil, or are they generally evil or what? So what you all know is that they don't generally hang out in the city, um, although you can find some of merely any race here. But um, can someone give me a knowledge nature check? Yes, I have proficiency in that, so I will do that. 21. Oh, great. Well, and, and see, this is good because, so you know about the way Gripley are supposed to be and the way they are around salt moons. Um, so Gripleys generally dwell in swamps. They're generally seen like lizard people, that they're not super advanced, although they are sentient. They can be hostile or friendly, but, you know, they're just not considered one of the civilized races, which you sometimes wonder about the racism of that, but what have you. The thing is, though, is that Gripley around salt moons tend to live in the Heartsblood Marsh, um, they were all imported there um, because this is kind of this weird tropical valley in these high, cold mountains. And uh, the ones that live in Hartsworth Marsh, of course, um, have a very high pr uh, propensity for becoming barbarians or sorcerers. They are also notoriously quite hostile to outsiders. Um, and one of the things that makes the Heartbless March really dangerous is uh, the Ripley that live there. So this would be a very good thing to potentially free him and explain what we're hoping to do. Yes. Yes, it would. Uh, so yeah, that's why I would say we need to move towards the front. We need to get up there and make sure that we are our presence is known and that this is the one that we are going after. All right, so you guys do. The auctioneer continues to chat with the guards. So he, he came down off, off the stage, correct? Yeah. Um, it looks like everyone's taking a break. Maybe we could see if we could forego the bidding process and just buy the Gripley yeah. right out if they're taking I'm, I'm, I'm totally on board with that idea. This would prevent us from having to do any sort of swindling if we were to be outbid for some reason. I, I would be more than willing to do that by myself kind of out of like if you guys just stand there I could I could blend into the crowd and slip away very easily without anybody knowing that I was gone from our group. And I could try and do that behind everybody's back. So I think that's probably what Rugum would try to do. I'm going to follow Rugum. 
I saw, I saw, he's gonna break away and I'm gonna I'm gonna follow him just in case he gets into trouble knowing that I am pretty intimidating just so I'll have his back even though he may not know it well and also um, so I should point out Orlamorn, uh, you actually know a little bit about more about the slave trade because you don't find it morally tasteful a uh, big part of salt moons of course they do auction but they do all kinds of deals all the time um, if there's one truism for salt moons is that people make a deal and it's just an accepted part of business so it's not it's not a thing no one's going to look at you askew for trying to make a deal trying to get around the auction process and you're welcome to communicate that to your party i will communicate that to my party let's hurry this along <laughs> we would walk up to the auctioneer then and begin having a conversation with him uh, excuse me sir yes uh, we are interested in maybe purchasing that Gripply that you have coming up next. Oh. Is there anything that we could work out? Maybe, I don't know, if you had anything in mind that we could work out to purchase him before he goes for auction. Oh, well, the thing about that is uh, he's already been bought. By whom? Uh, Needlin Orlock. And where can we find Mr. Needlin? Oh, he should be here in maybe 15 minutes to collect his property. I don't know. He seemed really excited about that particular Gripley. I don't know. Maybe he's got a thing for him. How much did he pay for him? I'm I'm interested in knowing that number. Well, I mean, that kind of information is valuable, so... kind of <laughs> holds out his hand. Uh, and he scratches his chin as he does. I, uh, Fingolfin steps in and takes his hand to shake it. And he goes, oh, a good day to you, sir. Let me tell you something. Ah, you're an ugly one. Not only am I ugly, but my friends and I can be quite fierce when pushed. So why don't you tell us the number, and and we will go from here peaceably. And I'm going to try to intimidate this dude. Okay, give me an intimidate roll. Although I should say he is flanked by guards. Not a concern of mine. I'm flanked by these dudes. (laughs) Okay, that's going to be a 17. Seventeen. Okay, he uh, he takes a step back. And he looks over to his guards, and they take a step in front of him. Gentlemen, there is no need for hostilities. <laughs> we just want to know a number. Well, if you want to know a number, boss has for a bribe. Boss gets a bribe, we get drinks. Why don't you just bribe the boss? <laughs> Very well. I see how this is going to go. How how much do these fools want? <laughs> Oh, like, a great bribe would be, like, 50 gold pieces. Chump change. Then Golfin gets out his coin purse, pulls out, you know, the adequate amount, um, plus 10% just to, you know, be nice, and hands it over. Yeah, no, um, you're you're a freaky one. Um, (laughs) I got my guards. But you pay well, so okay. Uh, Yeah, Needlin paid about 3,500 for him, uh, but was really excited about him. Oh, and, and here's Needlin now. And from out of the crowd, uh, you see a rather well-dressed, portly half-orc um, that's coming up and uh, walking right to the cage with, like, a brisk, a briskness to a step. Fingolfin just spins on his heel and looks at his buddies like, this is where we need to go. We'll head over that way and potentially maybe not step right in front of the cage, but just enough to make it difficult for him to get to the cage. Yeah, okay, so you're catching up. Yeah, you can see he's totally got a smile smile on his face. He's like, I finally did it. I finally bought one. I, I can't believe it. I finally did it. I finally bought one. Oh, man, we're, like, taking away this guy's Christmas present. This is terrible. 
I'm gonna speak to him and say we'd like to bu- we'd like to buy your frog. <laughs> what? But but do you know how long I've waited to own a Gripply? I I have every other race. I just need a Gripply, and I complete my set. A good man once said, "You've got to catch them all," and I agree with that. But there are many Gripplies in the sea. So how about we make a deal? We will buy this one from you. And if we cross one on our path, because we are headed out of the city to the marsh, we will try and bring him back for you. What? Oh, okay. Okay. Wait. Um, and he looks around at all of you. It's like, I don't... Wait, you... What, why do you need him? I need him for my set. Why, why would you need him? I also am completing a set, my friend. So I understand your desire. <laughs> oh, do you, do you, do you want to battle them? I, I do not take to <laughs> battling until they are fully trained. So perhaps when I arrive back in town, we could arrange combat between one of my other fine specimens. Straight trying to lie to this dude. Okay. All right, give me um, a persuasion okay. roll. Oh, beautiful. That's a two... Uh, with a modifier of plus one, so that's a three. A yes. three? You're not a collector. Don't give me that. What, what's the real reason you want this this one right here? You know, the lying probably isn't sitting with me that well. So I'm tempted to just say we need a guide to go into the swamp, the marsh. I am saying it. And, and okay. Instead of purchasing this Gripply, what if we rent him from you? I, you know, you, I like. You seem like a stand-up guy who gets it. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I, I'm happy to do that. Um, what, let's say you give me 5,000 gold, and I give you back 3,500 of that when you bring him back safely. So you rent him for 1,500. But if you run off with him, or he gets killed, or whatever, and I gotta go to all the trouble and expense of finding another Gripply, uh, I still made a pretty penny. That work for you guys? Can we bring you back another Gripply if something happens to this Gripply? You can bring me back a Gripply of equal or greater value. We'll yes, bring you back two Gripplies. <laughs> okay. All right. That's fine. I just want my set completed. And this is the only one I've seen caught. Do you know how hard it is to catch Gripply? You don't, because you're not collector. <laughs> it's really, really hard. <laughs> <laughs> we'll They're bring slippery. this Gripply back, or we'll bring another Gripply back. All right. All right. I think we split up the amount of gold that it would cost to cover that, and then... Mm-hmm. I did the negotiation. You guys can pay. <laughs> <laughs> so he um, he has a whole entourage that's finally catching up with him, including a scribe, who quick jots out a quick contract, just enshrining what you guys agreed to. Um, and he asks you each to make your mark. He makes his... And out of the cage comes a Gripply in shackles, who casts down his face um, and doesn't look at any of you in particular. Do we know what language Gripplies speak? You've heard a lot of them do speak common. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to say anything when he was right there. I mean, right, right after he had gotten bought, I wouldn't want to say anything to him there around the guide or around the guy that bought him. But so he is just watching you guys. There's a a rope tied to his shackles um, that you were handed by the guard um, and he, when you tug on it, he will follow you. Otherwise he's just staying kind of still. I'll grab the rope and start walking off out of the square. You guys can come or not. Alright. 
Thank you, Mr. Needlin. We'll bring him back as soon as we can. Or two. That works. <laughs> or two. All right, let's find somewhere uh, convenient to talk in private. How far away is the slave, uh, this area from the Sage's Row? Where yeah, um, so it from? is about three in the afternoon. It took you a couple hours to get over to um, the throat, and then, um, yeah. Uh, so you can get pretty much anywhere you want in the city, or around the throat, which has pretty much anything you could want, um, by about three. So do you guys want to go to a tavern? Do you guys want to go to a residence? What, where are you guys I going? I think somewhere... I, I don't even know if it has to be like a resident or a tavern. It could just be somewhere that's not being, that's not crowded with a ton of people okay. at the moment. Yeah, like a like a little side street. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That'd be good. Perfect. Um, you guys are all now in a little side street area. Um, you have this enslaved Ripley with you. What are you guys doing? What's your name? Uh, Exekel, sir. Exekel, well. Are you from the marshes originally? Oh, oh yes, I, I, I grew up there. Well, we got some good news for you, buddy. We're going back. We we need your help. We've we've been given a task by uh, a friend of ours to retrieve something that he lost in the marshes, and we were wondering if you would be able to help us with this. I I can certainly guide you around. I I I know the marsh fairly well. Would, would that be of uh, assistance or service? That would be exactly what we're looking for. Needland said these guys were slippery, so I don't in instantly believe him that he's just going to so uh, kindly offer his guiding services. Uh, I guess that would be... Um, let's do... Have you do an insight okay. roll? Ooh, that's going to be 21. Yeah, he actually does seem to legitimately want to help you, and he is very interested in going back to the marsh. And I assume me and him are probably like the same height. They're short, like like a gnome, or are they taller? No, no, they're they're human sized. Oh, they're human sized. Okay. Well, I just look up to him and I say, "It's very kind of you to offer to guide us." Well, you you are my owners now. I I'll do anything you say, right? You have a point. What would uh what would be the safest way to enter the marshes? Would you say? Well, um, for me, um, probably the west path, but it's very hard to follow and it requires a lot of jumping. And for you, you'd probably be better off approaching uh along the banks of the Red River. Things things grow there, but it's it's easier to get in and not get lost and and you'll we'll all be able to move together which is safer than just a path that only Could I we get. sail a boat down the red river uh perhaps i i don't know anything about boats if we were to sail a boat down the river would there be anything we would have to worry about trying to capsize the river or capsize the boat or try and eat us oh oh there are so many things you have to worry about eating you no matter how you go um the boat though the boat, uh, I mean, the Red River has its teeth, and so I, I've never seen a boat on it, but maybe. Mm, let's just walk beside the river. Yeah, yeah, that seems like a good idea. Do we go Do we go now, or do we go in the morning? So, uh, just to give you a sense, um, you kind of have a vague sense of where this is. It's about about five hours walk, and generally the accepted wisdom is just don't go at night. Ah. You totally can. And he tells you, oh, you, you were thinking about going now? Uh, are, are you sure you don't want daylight? Um, yeah, we should we should sleep on this and go in the morning. So I think we could find the closest inn 
I mean, we could start walking that way and stay at the closest inn for the night and then just be that much closer for the day. Thanks for listening to part one of Alchemy and Intrigue. What will happen to our faithful adventurers next week? Will this Gripley end up panning out for them? Only time will tell. <laughs>